This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 37. This episode features my good friend Frank Alfano Jr., Now, Frank has appeared in Daredevil, Gotham, Iron Fist, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, to name a few. You've definitely seen him before, uh, but he's been in the middle of the action because Frank Alfano Jr. is a stuntman. Um, One of his specialties is being set on fire. That's right. Frank Alfano Jr. has been set on fire a bunch of times. Maybe a few times this week for all we know. Um, anyway, it was a good time catching up with Frank. Uh, I have a lot of badass friends. He's definitely one of them, um, being that he does all these stunts. Uh, so without further ado, this is Frank Alfano Jr. Let's have a conversation. Core, because I think we got some levels. Yeah. You know? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but I also think that, like, I don't know, hey. As I get older, you kind of see people uh, um, fall off of trying to go for it. You yeah. Because life just kind of dictates that you need to start, you know, actually earning consistently for family and, you know, house, mortgage, car, all that kind of stuff. So my dad used to call it the funnel um, of success, which is, you know, he used baseball as the metaphor where everybody plays Little League and then funnel gets smaller there are less people that do high school and then even less people that do college and then you know the the minor leagues and then just a few drop out and all you got to do is stay in the funnel long enough to start dropping out of the bottom that's how he described acting so yeah so i wonder as we get older if there's going to be a little bit more of that kind of i definitely think there there definitely is that um because it's like also even at it like there's probably an advantage of going into these rooms doing these agent meetings um with like it's weird because it's like it's starting from scratch Mm -hmm. it is like business-wise it's starting from scratch but having that you know you have all of your life experience and you have all all of your prior experience and realizing that that doesn't it doesn't mean nothing right now it doesn't mean there's nothing currently so it's not like a direct springboard right but the advantage is um you stand out because most of the other people who are doing it at this stage are just out of college right. or just like they're 20, out of high school straight right. to New 22. York. Yeah. yeah. So, so you automatically, you're not the same. You're not like, it's like one, you're not competing for the same roles. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, it's like realizing when you have enough like life um, experience in and out of like the show business thing, um, just these other people on the other side of the audition table, they're adults. They're people also. Right. And you're an adult. So it's like... You don't feel like the kid yeah. talking to you know talk, talking to that person, please give me the job. You feel like you're just across from somebody. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. Right. You know? Just like you. And you can talk... And this is the difference between like me in my 20s versus me in my mid-30s is I could talk to you about stuff that has nothing to do with you know, stunts or performing or all that. I can actually have an opinion because right. <laughs> I've got another decade of experiences to, to talk about. I will say, and we're going to jump right into this topic. Um, when I met you um, in school, in VCU, um, I, I respected you off the bat. I think you were like, you were one of the old, like one of the people who went yeah. back to school also like me and um, Landon, Jaron, mm-hmm. Jaron, um, <laughs> so, you're great at bluffing <laughs> what a great poker face um so yeah we were i was two years older than everybody in school because uh, yeah. i did community college before a university um i think landon and you because you like, guys are the same we're like age. four or five years older right and then i mean jaron was 10 years older eight 10 years um like somebody told me at one point, he's like, "Oh, he's forty. Like as we graduate, I'm like, I can't, that can't. No. That's not a thing. Yeah. But I think like to a 22 year old, anybody over 30 is just 40. Yeah. <laughs> like 
Yeah. You're automatically 40 years old. Yeah. But um, when I met you, I will say that one of the things that I knew about you off the bat is even like auditioning for like the main stage shows in school and stuff, um, you did have a sense of yourself back then. And I think that that's uh, one of the most important things that you like, like to have like as an actor for survival is like a sense of self um, because if you can walk into the rooms knowing yourself like it's not that it's it's not that it's going to translate to like what jobs you get or don't right it's just going to be good for you to not let those rooms destroy you because because it, it can be hard like the psychological impact of right you know not being in control thanks well that was high school did that for me because i uh i spent my first two years at a public school and then i left my junior year to go to a school of the arts because my sophomore year I remember my best friend and I were the lead of every show. And yeah. so we had auditions for this big, you know, dramatic play coming up. And we literally told the director, we were like, yeah, um, you know, Frank and I are going to go to the movies. You know, Mike and I, we're going to go to the movies and um, he's going to play Carlos. I'm going to play Ignacio, just so you know. that Those are the roles that we've decided we're going to play. And the director was like, no, 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 if you don't audition, you're not in the play. And we we're like, haha, that's cute. And then we left. And then the next day... Well, those were the roles that we were playing. Like we didn't have to we didn't have to do anything. And I didn't like that feeling of already being at that point of my ego that right. I can tell the director what I'm what what I'll allow them to cast me as. So I went to a school of the arts that immediately beat that out of me. Right. Because everybody there was talented. Yeah. Everybody there was gonna get into an Ivy League. Everybody there, like if you stuck in the program, and the idea of them taking me as a junior was a huge deal because usually they don't allow anybody in even sophomore year. If you're not there for all four years, it's a waste of their time. Um, but they were able to kind of beat the ego out of me as much as, you know, you could beat the ego out of me um, and help me just kind of understand where I am with my craft at every point. So by the time I got to VCU, I still had that sense of like, no, I belong here, but right. I feel that way in any audition room. Yeah. Not that I belong in the show, but this is what I was meant to do. Right. I belong in the space. I belong doing, you know, these lines for 60 seconds and then I'll belong somewhere else in another minute. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things I feel like the specifically at VCU, but I think it is a trap that can happen in art school like it's good to be immersed in that environment mm -hmm. but sometimes uh the ego of people sometimes can get falsely like <laughs> like you can have that happen in yeah. a college setting and then you get to the real world yeah and nobody cares about who you are right nobody because you know what everybody that you're sitting in an audition room with went to that college that gave them that attention feel like I'm so close to this. <laughs> like, um, yeah, so they, uh, you know, yeah, I absolutely agree that a lot of times colleges, in my experience in the, you know, the three different colleges I went to, you surround yourself with just a room where there's nobody else to really compete with. You know, one or two people I think I ever went up against a part for. Um, and if you don't get that show, there are 20 other shows that people want to cast you in. So yeah. then you get to the real world and there's more people than there are roles. And, you know, the end is just about your craft. And you know. So let's talk about that. Because you uh, then, um, did you start doing the stunt thing right after college? During or college. How did, during college. Yeah, senior year. Um, and Mikey was doing that also, right? Like right. he was already... So Mikey graduated we're the same age but because i did the two years of community college he graduated two years before i did and immediately went into stunts he started doing live shows while i, uh, I was still at vcu um but it was my senior year that i just i, I quit acting i quit i told uh uh i know i told aaron anderson i think it was Lori Lindbergh that go that suggested why don't you just do what mikey's doing you know stunts your stage combat and all that kind of stuff and physical and uh, I remember that that weekend was when I saw um, Casino Royale, 
And everything just clicked for me watching that movie. I was like, ah, that's one I want to do. Like, it's strike a lightning hit me. And so senior year, I said, okay, I'm not going to show up to the acting classes anymore because I don't think I'm getting anything out of them. Um, acting for camera, you know, we had VHS tapes. I'm like, this cannot be useful. Yeah. Can't possibly be useful. Yeah. Um, and then just, you know, I had permission from faculty to just start studying stunts and it was Aaron Anderson who was so good he he would give me books and articles and different places to to learn and to train and stuff and just kind of dove in head first and hoped it would work out and I've seen you uh pop up I, I always get a kick out of that um I remember was it Gotham like I've seen you I mean I know you're I mean, in things but yes. I've seen you in featured <laughs> like I think you were a ninja that said something in Gotham or something um, um so for Gotham or like stunt acting roles I remember I was in a cage for season one where I had to audition for this one line and they went it was just the audition process was so nightmarish because they wouldn't just say you've got the role it was especially since those first seasons so there was a lot of like I you got to call LA and the producers have to sign off and then the director and then you know back and forth back and forth I was already rehearsing the fight scene and it was, well, I already got that part of it, which is the stunt. So now it's whether or not you guys want to hire an actor, and then I'll be the stunt guy. Um, and so we were in the middle of rehearsal when the casting director called to congratulate me. I got the role. <laughs> and being the <laughs> being the, the prick I am, I immediately was like, oh, I already took something else. I can't do it. <laughs> and I listened to her have this heart attack because she's been fighting for days to get the yes. And I was like, I'm kidding. Yeah, of course I'm doing it. I'm in rehearsal right now, though, for it. So I got to go and uh, left it like that. But yeah, yeah, I did that. And then last season, I did a, a waiter who was a thug. So little fight scene, little acting scene. Um, then I got shot in the head and, you know. Yeah. And died. But that's like the 10th time I died on that show. Luckily, Gotham has been great to the stunt community. Yeah. Yeah. And a number of the Marvel shows too, right? Like a lot of them, several of them are shot a lot in New York. Yeah, they're all shot in New York. All the Marvel. I mean, I know Gotham's not Marvel, but right, yeah, but comic all the, book. Yeah, yeah, all the the Marvel shows shoot in New York, and there are a lot of stunts on it. Now Marvel's a little different though, because most of you know, when you go into a project, especially as a coordinator, you know, you usually want to take the people that you know are kind of guaranteed to get the job done for you. So. With the Marvel shows, a lot of those shows were um, our LA guys who would come over, take it for a season and stuff. So they hire a handful, they hire as many New York people as they can. But as far as keeping core, a lot of times they'll bring in some people that they know are already like their people. And there's, especially in stunts, there's a lot of nepotism because you take a chance on a big stunt with somebody who may be able to do it, you're going to get yourself into trouble. So you always go with people who are. You know can do it. Yeah. You know are going to do it a hundred times. You know, I don't take, you know, there are certain jobs I don't do because I know I'm not at this certain skill level that other guys are. So I always say, you know, if you ask me to do a high fall, I can jump. I've done high falls. I've, you know, done that kind of stuff. But I can name you 10 guys, my size, my height. That would be way better. If none of those guys can do it, you know, I'll find a way to practice beforehand. But, you know. You got to really trust, you know, and you got to be trusted that you're not going to lie about your skills. Otherwise that you're going to get yourself hurt, somebody else hurt, or God forbid somebody killed because you just wanted the job. But you take a job you're not ready for and something happens, there's a, there's a huge chance you're never going to work again or not for a long time versus if you're just honest then every time I've been honest, I've had a coordinator go, I appreciate that. I'm going to find something else for you. Great. Yeah. So, yeah, but. What's uh, some of your favorite, um, like, experiences, I guess, being a stunt person so far? Slash actor. I mean, just. I know you said you quit acting, but where does, that, um, where does that line up for you now that those are. It's a special skill on my resume. Mm -hmm. It's. 
you know, it's right next to juggling. It's gotcha. <laughs> that's what acting is to me is it's a way for me to get more stunt jobs. But even when I do that, I always have to be careful on what I, what I take and don't take because it could screw me over. Um, you know, last season I did a, a stunt acting role for Jessica Jones where they cut my line anyway, but because my face was featured for two seconds tops, it cut me out of future jobs until, you know, a little bit longer will go by or I change my look completely because especially in the Marvel universe, they do not want to see repeat stunt guys. They, you know, if you can point out that, oh, he was in this, you know, what they needed to draw up a storyline to say this is okay because it's not out of the realm of this universe this person would show up twice versus shows like gotham and blacklist and uh person of interest was a big literally it's just it's like we'll just reuse we'll just reuse you yeah we'll we'll law and order does that too right like law and order doesn't have as many stunts yeah but i think they even do it with actors yeah oh (laughs) they do but with with the actors they just wait two seasons and now it's a new person right um i remember there was a SVU had in the early seasons had somebody who was the um, the criminal. Uh, I just remember she had red hair. She was a criminal in one. She was the guilty one, and then like a few seasons later, she's now the head DA. Like okay, great, because the audience doesn't care. A big one with that um, I remember was uh, uh, not Westworld. Uh, shit, HBO Western Deadwood. Oh, okay. Yeah. One of the main... Did you watch Deadwood back in I the didn't. day? Ah. Yeah, I've only of, recently gotten HBO, and it's just to keep up with Game of Thrones. Like, I love Game that's of Thrones. It. As soon as Game of Thrones is over, I'm getting rid of my HBO. Like, There's a lot of good <laughs> stuff. Deadwood's a good one. Three seasons. If right. you have time, it's a good one. I just... Oh, I never... There's, it's a vortex, though. Right. Well, and that's why it's really hard for me to start a new show, mm-hmm. because I just... You've got one, I'll give you one or two episodes to grab my attention, but I don't know if I want anybody to grab my attention right, right. now, because it sucks a lot of time out. So You see Westworld? I saw the first season of Westworld, and like the first episode of season two, and then I remember even going, it's like, neat, and then I, I got other things to yeah. do. You know? the, second, the, second up, the second season pays off, I'll say that, if you, if you but I know. I probably time. will, but... You know, that's also one of those ones I have to convince myself to watch because there are some shows that as you watch, they're, they're popcorn. They're, they're, they're fun. They're, you know, they don't weigh you down. You can just kind of eat them and go. Yeah. Then there are shows that like sit with you, like, um, black mirror, black mirror. Yeah. Sits with you. Yeah. It's this decay inside yourself. It, it like after I watch an episode, but I love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's like pressing a bruise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's like, I just want to feel that a little bit longer, that pain, that that's okay. One, it makes sense too. Cause as you press a bruise, your brain says you're hurt. So it sends, you know, endorphins mm-hmm. and stuff. To, <laughs> to, yeah. To heal it's you. like horror films, like that kind of thing or roller coasters, like yeah. the, the thrill it, it releases adrenaline. Yeah. I mean, that if you get a really good scare from a horror movie or like a haunted house, there's always this moment of like, I hate you. And then immediately you feel like good. You, you yeah. start laughing immediately because you, your endorphins are overflowing. Yeah. So it's not dissimilar from doing a good stunt because um, right afterwards you feel great. And it's not until a day or two later that your body tells you, oh, yeah, you got hit by a car. Like oh okay yeah yeah so um I know I remember I think I learned about it from you like when you were going through it you and Mikey probably back in the day but I know part of like being a basic like to get like I don't I don't know the levels but like part of being a stunt person a lot of times um to to open doors for a lot of work is you have to get set on fire right. No, 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 no. No, that's a People, specialty thing. Yeah, that's a specialty okay. thing. People can go their entire careers without being set on fire. Um, many, most people go their entire careers without doing fire burns. You've been set on fire. You've done the fire thing, though, right? This week? No. J- yeah. So yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it was like two weeks ago I set a girl on fire for a new um, pilot. Uh, and then a few weeks before that, I, I mean, I've done 
So that's one of your specialties. Right. Got yeah. You. That's one of my specialties. Cause I, and I come with like my own kit. So if you hire me to do a fire burn, I'll bring all my safety equipment, you know, all that. The only thing I can't bring into New York is I can't bring fire extinguishers into New York because, you know, laws about carrying um, compressed air through the tunnels. So you have to have special permits and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, this year alone, I've done like 20 burns. Um, and it's only because, you know, I needed something to set me apart. And then you get, you get some kind of certification when you go through the training for that? Or how does that... Like, I know... There's no... There is no training. Uh, or there's, there is training for it. There's no program Got you. that says, okay, now you're certified. Now, there are places... There are people in New York. Um, there's a you know great fire guy who has fire classes for those who are already working stunt professionals. Um, it is not something where just... Any actor who wants can say, "Right, I want to be set on fire so I could be a stunt person." Like that's not how stunts work, you know. It's so how does how do stunts work? Sort of like how do you start that path? Well, everybody, everybody's path is different and unique. I will say the majority of people, their path started with some sort of martial art or gymnastics, mm-hmm. um, something that was body awareness. And then what it used to be is that you used to be kind of invited to meet a coordinator, show him your skills, and then they would give you a day just to try you out. You know, you're real, you're real green. You don't know anything. You know, you're going to make stupid mistakes. But um, as long as I had a coordinator tell me this, as long as you're not an asshole or a liar, I'll give you your shot. Um, and so most people go in through that way of martial arts and skills and that kind of stuff. And then as you're around stunt people more, you start training in as many different things as you can. So you train fight scenes. You get stunt people together who are already doing fight scenes who understand how to shoot it, how to make it look good, how to sell a punch, how to sell a hit, uh, rhythm, speed, like a lot of those things. Because just because you're a fantastic martial artist does not mean that you look good on film. A lot of times it's the opposite because you could throw a real punch, but that real punch doesn't look like a real punch on film. Right. It doesn't look like it has power. Um, so those guys going that way. Now, nowadays it's kind of different because everybody with a cell phone is now a director and cinematographer and stunt coordinator. And they always, you know, you get together 10 martial artists and somebody's got a cell phone and then they shoot a bunch of stuff. Uh, and you post it online and hope somebody sees it or you get picked up in people that want to train with you and then you're kind of noticed that way it didn't used to be that way but that's kind of where the industry is going more and more and more uh giving you your shot through you just filming it on your own um but again it's you know most you got to have some sort of a background of you know or it could be cars you know a lot of you know a lot of professional drivers become stunt drivers could be motorcycles, you know, that's a specialty. But I don't know any stunt person who is just one thing. Like maybe a couple of people who are who are car specific specialists, but everybody else, I mean, you literally try to get your hands on as many different skill sets as possible. And then 90% of the job is get shot fall down. You know, being able to throw yourself onto the concrete, sometimes with pads, sometimes without especially for the women who stunt women are so much tougher than a lot of stunt guys because they don't get pads They're because wearing, of the dresses and like the, the dresses, the skirts, the yeah. bikinis, the, you know, uh, very rarely, you know, are their knees covered? Very rarely are their elbows, you know, covered in a jacket or something like that. So they have to do a lot of the same stuff that guys do, but have lower profile pads if any pads and sometimes you just got to suck it up and you know kind of do it so yeah it's uh and then once you get noticed for that special thing that you do and you've gotten a couple days then it's this uh snowball effect where one coordinator gives you a shot or two or three shots and another coordinator hears your name and he'll give you a shot and then eventually you just become one of those people on a list who they know that they can count on especially if they need a double I think there are like 10 guys in New York who are 5'9", 
165, 170. So there are 10 of us that if they need a double, they can call anybody on that list that they know can do any of the basic jobs. But if it's something specific like, you know, motorcycle riding, that kind of stuff, there's that guy that can do that versus, you know, being set on fire. There's that guy that can do that. Although most people, most professional stunt people could be set on fire. Um, the performance of it's the easy part. It's everything around it, setting it up and making sure it's safe and putting it out safe and that kind of stuff. That's when it gets scientific. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's no. how that works. <laughs> um, so do you uh, practice, like what was, what was your martial art background and then Actually, I know you practice. I remember you mentioning that before, but what do you practice now? I didn't used to practice till I got to New York. That's mm-hmm. why I did fire stunts is because down in Florida, I lived in Florida for, or I lived in Orlando for five years. And the entire time I was there, I was just told constantly, well, you're not really a stunt guy, especially by Disney. You know, Disney's like, yeah, I mean, you're not a stunt guy because at Disney, if you're not, um, like a certain height and look, you know, that athlete, athlete look, which I don't have, um, or you're not a gymnast. If you don't have, you know, if you can't do a flip, you don't fall into the stunt category and they weren't terribly wrong. I didn't have any training. I didn't do anything. So that's where I started with fire. Once I moved to New York, I knew I needed more skills. So I started at this, um, just fantastic school in, um, uh, on, in Chinatown, it's on canal in Lafayette. It's called Five Points Academy. And there I trained in Muay Thai, uh, Judo, Pekiti, Tershikali, uh, and a little bit of Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and then when I moved to Jersey, um, I had to take a break for a little bit to find a good school. And now I'm at the just one of the best schools I, I've ever seen um, called uh, High Impact Martial Arts. And I trained Judo there, you know, unless I'm working or recovering from something. <laughs> I do Judo there. Uh, and then I've, I've been to a couple different schools for a little bit more jujitsu, a little Wing Chun, um, a little bit of a scream, a little bit of JKD, uh, you know, go to Chelsea Piers to do gymnastics, you know, for their very, very like beginner gymnastic classes. So. Yeah. And anything else I can get my hands on. Yeah. And then the gym, you know, almost every day. So that's. I recently just started uh, training jujitsu again. There's some Muay Thai at the school too, but What's so cool? far the schedule it's uh, here in Bushwick. It's brand new. It's called Hammer and Nail. Sweet, um, but it's near my place, which is one of the crucial things, especially when you're not actively going to right pick some place nearby, you know, so that you don't have an excuse not to go. Right. Well, and jujitsu is one of, in my experience, which is limited. Because mm. um, I'm not a martial artist. Anytime I go to any of these classes, it is it really is not. I'm not driven by the idea of learning the art. I'm driven by the idea of how can I use this in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. You know, making sure that when I do a fight scene, how can I look like I know what I'm doing? And the easiest way to look like you know what you're doing is to know a little know, bit. Yeah, yeah, know what you're doing. Yeah. But in my experience, you know, jujitsu is one of the most practical martial arts that there are. Um, You know, I wouldn't necessarily, if you combine that with like Muay Thai, because Muay Thai is my favorite striking martial art that I've ever done. Um, If you combine those two, uh, I mean, you're, you'll walk around with a lot of good confidence, not, not arrogance, but good confidence. Yeah. Like, if I was getting beat up by somebody, I wouldn't want to just do jujitsu because that's an easy way to get myself onto the ground and <laughs> not get back up. Right. Um, but the combination between the two, I think, is just strong. Yeah. They're good. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. And, I mean, that, that confidence that you said, like, it's been a long time since I've been in a fight. Mm-hmm. And, like, I trained different things back in the day. But, I've yeah, exactly. Knock on wood. Knock on wood, man. I never want to be in a fight again. No. But I do, I do think there's something about when you train and when you're, especially like sparring and like with jujitsu, you pretty much always spar. Yeah. It's, you learn one, you learn one standing technique, one ground technique, and then it's sparring for an hour and a half. Yeah. 
And it's humbling sometimes. That's the word I was going to say. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu is also the most humbling martial art I have ever had. Sparring in Muay Thai will also teach you real quick of like... Yeah. Okay, wait a second. I'm not as quick as I thought I was. Yeah. How come my fists don't touch him yet right. I can't block Yeah. Anything? And those ones you don't see. That's the yeah. craziest thing like that you don't realize. Like, you know, when you're watching the fight and it's like, yeah, the, the ones that get you are the ones you don't see. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it takes a second to register. It was like, I just got hit. Yeah. I just got hit. Yeah, yeah. But jujitsu, jujitsu specifically, judo does it for me too. The difference with judo is, is that um, if, you're, if you're doing stand up sparring, then as soon as you hit the ground, okay, great, you're back up and it's time to go again. So it, it's almost like this quicker of, you kind of, you go in to shoot for something, it didn't work. Okay, you shoot for something else, it didn't work. But as soon as something does work, you get up, you start again. With, uh, with judo, or even, or with uh, jiu-jitsu, or even judo, if you do nawaza, which is basically the same as jiu-jitsu, it's ground sparring. You try all kinds of things that just don't work. And if they have anything on you, as far as experience, um, <laughs> size strength everything size factors. strength but even um there's there's this one great uh kid at high impact martial art just great guy who actually trained with me a lot to help me get my orange belt in judo uh kid named neo i can't touch him he's gotta be 30 pounds lighter than i am can't touch him because he has the endurance and the nimbleness nimbleness agility or agility yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go with nimbleness, nimbleness. as a real word uh, Nim- nimbility nimbility that's the <laughs> that's what i was gonna go say at first but that like more often than not i can't yeah i can't touch him especially if we get to the ground if we get to the ground i mean i just i don't know what to do at that yeah. point i just wait for the bell you know i try to hold him off as long as i can yeah and if i can if the bell rings before he submits me, that's a win for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he he keeps me on my toes. And everybody at that school has something above me. Not to say that I don't get a throw in every once in right. a while. But it's only from learning from losing. Yeah. Well, you see that like the technique really is key. Mm-hmm. Like, So if you do outsize somebody, like, and if they... Like, like sometimes it balances out a little bit, but like if you have size and strength on somebody and they have a little bit technique more than you, but not much, then sometimes maybe you can get the muscle it through. Yeah. But you can also tell like if they, you know, though, when you're like sparring with them that like if they had just a little bit more technique, even though yeah they don't have the size or strength on you, they would get you on that technique. Well, there's also, um, if you ever go against... Like in judo, if I ever go against a white belt and stuff, my goal is not to throw a white belt or to, to submit a white My goal is to give them just enough of a workout that they can see when a technique would work and then see if it didn't work and why. So I don't... Yeah. Because that's that's how you learn. Now, yeah. I've been to a lot of um, jiu-jitsu schools where I always get... Because I'm a white belt in jiu-jitsu still. Yeah. And I will be... For the rest of my life, I'm sure. Um, because it's not something I consistently train. And to get even a blue belt, you have to consistently train and do it for years before you get promoted up. Because yeah. you really have to have an understanding of the art. So every time I did jiu-jitsu at all kinds of different schools, trying to find like a really good jiu-jitsu school. And then I found this judo school and it's just great. Um, I always got injured. Never from a black belt or a purple belt. And never from a white belt. It was always a blue belt that injured me. Because I have a bit of experience in judo. The black belts and the purple belts go against me. And they know I'm not a threat. Right. I'm not going to throw them. I'm not going to submit them. They know that because they've been doing this long enough to know what my weaknesses are as soon as I start. A blue belt knows just enough (laughs) to, to think that they should never be thrown by a white belt. Right. Never be submitted by a white belt. Every They can just run over white belts all the time. And then I'm almost kind of a ringer because I had more of jiu-jitsu background. And so if they say, all right, we're training at 
I know going up against the blue belt, it's not going to be 30%. Right. It's going to be 120%. They yeah. are going to try to break an arm to make sure that they do not get submitted by or controlled by a, a white belt and stuff. And I'm just not competitive. Yeah. <laughs> I just, that's out of me now in my yeah. life. I went to one competition, one judo competition. I got third place. I got bronze medal out of three people. <laughs> Both people I won against, they threw me within a minute because as soon as they went in for a technique, I was like, oh, that's a good entrance. And then, like, I just, I didn't stop them from throwing me. I'm in the air and I'm like, hey, that was a great throw. And then hit the ground and, you know, because I'm also used to that on film. Right. (laughs) Your actor goes in to throw you, you just let them throw you or throw yourself to help them out because that's your job. And I did, I took that onto the mat with me that day of just, (laughs) good job. Oh man, yeah, that's fun. Jiu jitsu, though, man. Yeah, humbling. I think that's the best word for it. If you ever want to come, I know Hammer and Nail, they do an open mat every Sunday. It's like at Sweet. 11 a.m. So, yeah, I'll Shrimp probably through. do that. Yeah. I haven't been to open mat yet. I've been intimidated by it. And I mean, it's tough because when you get to the rolling, it's like I've had days or in certain weeks where things are clicking, but it's mm-hmm. only been a few months. And I'm not going as much as I would like to just with my schedule. I'm going what? as much as I can. But, like, right. yeah, it's ta- it takes – it's going to take a while. Like, Well, it's going to take a while of consistent training. Because mm-hmm. I, I, there are a lot of times I've got to take off for training, either because I, I just keep getting calls for work during those days that, that training is. I'm out of town. I'm recovering from something of just happened on set. You know, I hit the ground a bunch of times. My back is not going to be able to – you know, take a bunch of falls and hits and that kind of stuff. But every time I have been consistently, like every day for months, I mean, you go, you, you jump tears so quickly, but that also happens in the opposite of like, if you haven't been for months, you drop right back down. Yeah. Um, it's a conversation I've had a couple times with people of, uh, the concept of if you're a black belt in a martial art and you haven't done it for two years, not a black belt in anymore right like you still know the techniques and stuff but you are not up to you're not at black belt level because you're not like a practicing martial like right yeah and that's probably a bad i'm sure there are a lot of black belts that would be like i'm still but i don't i don't know but it's that idea of well but i mean i think that's accurate in that one of the aspects of pretty much any martial art is the drilling of the thing so that mm-hmm. you're not thinking you right. don't have to think about technique no, in an actual fight situation. It's muscle memory and then it goes to um muscle improvisation of Yeah. You know, that's when I got that's when I got really good is just months and months, especially when I was getting ready for my orange belt. Like I went all the time and stuff. And I would have brown belts who I was able to throw only because I was there consistently enough that my body knew, okay, when he turns his back to try to throw me in something, to slide my leg behind and try this throw instead, you know, throw off their weight. Um, And having been against the same guys over and over and over again, you kind of, both sides kind of know each other's moves, so we know when he goes for that, I can try this. Um, But it's, it's, yeah, it's just that consistent thing. And why do you want to do it? That's something I always ask people is, you know, why? Yeah. Is it to get in shape because you love the art? If you love the art, then you don't need any other reason. Yeah. If it's to get in shape, great. Yeah. For me, it's like, I mean, having done them off and on at different points in my life, it's one of those things where I think, um, like, well, knowing that I want to do some acting again, like martial arts is something that I think can only help. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it helps just kind of other aspects of your life also. Like it's a great way to get a good workout um, for your mind and body. Yes. um, To where all you really have to do to make it work is to show up. Right. Um, And well, and there's also, I got to say, see, I love going to class um, over just going to the gym. And I think the reason is, is because in what makes it more of the mind than than just going to the gym is I'm training with somebody right? versus just lifting weights. You know, you're not, you're not doing anything but moving muscle. That's right. That's it. 
versus exercising your mind as you are doing this kind of stuff. That's why I really enjoyed Wing Chun while I was doing it because there is that, just like Tai Chi, there's that meditativeness of doing the kata. Um, although I don't think it's called kata in, because it's a Chinese martial art, so I'm not sure what, what it's called. Yeah, I used to know what that was called, but yeah. Going through... <laughs> Um, the movements, the, the movements, the techniques, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was always nice. And then the, the chess game of it was always great to play with and working out can just, it gets boring and it's very vanity driven. Right. Like, have you ever been to the gym where there wasn't one person that put the weights down to flex, to see himself flexing in the mirror? Like have you? I've never been where there wasn't one guy that just that arm goes up, and he sometimes he tries to be subtle about it and be like, "Oh, my wrist hurts a little bit. And I'm flexing that arm." Hell, man, I've done it. Everybody's done it. Especially also like you know, there are times when if you're going, like if you haven't been going and you're back in or whatever, there's just times where your body like elevates a little bit yes. and you notice it and you're just like, yeah. "Hey, well, right." <laughs> there's always that moment of being like, "Hey, it's working." I'm talking about the guys. Who are there all the time, and they just, like, they're there just Oh, and they're doing it for other people, too. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I think more often than not when I hear somebody um, uh, grunt, yell, and slam weights. I'm like, that wasn't for you. Right. That was for us. And just give them a little applause. Good job. Like, is that, what do you think people are going to, I also have my own theory with slamming weights. Yeah. Unless... Unless you're in a CrossFit gym, if if you need to slam the weight at the end of it, drop down. Right. Like, right. Yeah, just drop down. It's- I heard a great, I can't remember his name. He was on Joe Rogan's show recently, and he was talking about, he's like a primarily trains martial artist. Mm-hmm. Like he trains, or MMA people especially. I think he trains GSP. And he was talking about his whole system of training is... To, he pretty much advocated never going, like, never overexerting. Right. Um, and, like, the idea of, like, it would be better to do one to five pull-ups, but doing it every day versus doing 10 or 20, but not being able to really do, to be able right. to sustain that the next day. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, well, and I have my system of... You know, I've got a five-day cycle. Right. So it's, it goes legs, then chest, then back, then shoulders, then arms. And as soon as I'm done with the arms, I go back to legs. Right. Um, and I do at least five exercises for each group of the body. And uh, each exercise, I do uh, four sets of ten. Right. That's it. Um, I try to go, you know... 2.5, 5 pounds, 10 pounds right. more than I did last week. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. And if I have to take a couple weeks off for whatever reason, great. I just drop back a couple weeks, start at that weight and again and go. Um, but, you know, everybody works out for their own different reasons. They need different sizes and shapes and stuff. And if it makes you feel good, great. I just hate when guys slam the weights yeah, and grunt and yell and scream and and don't put the weights back. Oh my god! I always take the first twenty minutes after my warm up, just reorganizing all the dumbbells. Right. All of them, so they're all perfect in a row. Yeah. Each one has that label of what it. It's all done, and before I leave, it's always back to where it was. I'm like, come on, guys, show respect for your space. Yeah. <laughs> but I say that internally because what is it going to do to say it out loud? Right. You're just going to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy either. I'll, no. I'll just think terrible thoughts and not say them. Um, all right. So after school, you go to um, Orlando. You kind of get your start doing stunts down there. You come up here, um, get into the scene here. You've been here now five years, mm-hmm. and you're working pretty consistently nowadays. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I'm fortunate enough that... Um, the only source of income I have is from stunts. So, which I'm, you know, a lot of people can't say that. Uh, I'm fortunate that I can say that. Uh, and, you know, during the slow season and stuff, residuals are good enough that I can kind of, if needed, you know, 
I, I have a savings that I kind of squirrel away during the busy season. And if needed, I can go into my, you know, I can have residuals that will, you know, kind of cover me for a bit. So, yeah, New York's been good to me. Um, so what would kind of be some of your goals going forward? Um, to work more consistently. Yeah, because right now I'm still, I'm still more of a day player or maybe a weekly player for some things. Um, but it's all project specific like sometimes you need it on one two episodes of something uh and it's so sparse that you just don't know when the next thing is coming i have no idea that's why every once in a while i gotta check my check my phone to see if somebody texts me because i got 15 minutes to respond um or they move on to somebody else but yeah if i you know my hope is that at some point I will be up to the skill level and um, I'll be at that point in my career where I'm on set every day for a show where it is just, I'm carried for the entire project as, I don't know, a double or a part of the team that sets up and designs all the stunts and that kind of stuff. Um, Or, you know, an assistant coordinator eventually. Uh, and then eventually a stunt coordinator. Well, I've got a, I've got a bubble right in my gut that won't leave. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my goal. Is eventually I would love to be a stunt coordinator, and you know maybe after that a second unit director. But honestly, just every day I'm on set's a great day. Every day. I don't care how long the day is. I don't care how tired it, it gets. How many times I got to hit the ground. You know, hitting, actually performing the stunt is the easiest part. I think the most challenging part is the 15 hours of sitting around. Yeah. <laughs> just waiting. Um, but you have to stay active and engaged. So taking yeah. that time to, you know, learn about the cameras and the lenses and, you know, who does what and try to just immerse yourself in it. Um, I think that type of thing is, I mean, without getting in the way, but that kind of thing is a good thing for actors to do also like there's i I mean i think that's true in anything like when you have situations where there is downtime there's always Mm -hmm. stuff to like learn yeah you know i mean i think that's especially if you want to do anything more than just acting like you can learn a lot acting wise is that me that's you that is Gonna, oh, that's the, that's the front door. <laughs> right, I'm going to check see I if I can there's a way. <laughs> I don't know if there's a way to turn off that intercom down here. Um, Rip it off the wall. You know? <laughs> um, that's neat, though. I haven't seen one of the... <laughs> yeah, one of the and it's weird ones. because that one, they were buzzing another apartment, but for some reason, like master control or something down right. here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you can learn a lot as an actor. Like, watch, you know, when you're not being without being in the way, yeah. which is a very big key. And some directors don't want anybody at Video Village, and others just don't care. But if you can be at Video Village, and you can see how they set up the shot, what lens they're using, how that acting scene is going, what you believe, what you don't believe, and understand none of it's going to matter in post anyway, because they're just going to chop it up to make it good um yeah if you you know you can always learn i always try to stay uh you know whenever possible i try to watch not just the the monitors but i try to be between the monitor and the stunt coordinator because if the stunt coordinator needs something in a moment i want him to see me first so without saying anything i already know what it is he needs you need a pad great i'm gonna go get it you need that, you know, actor, great, or the stunt double, you know, not a problem. Go get it. But then I can see, okay, what reads and what what works on film, what doesn't work on film, and then listen to the notes that the director gives to make it better or worse. And the cinematographer, the DP, oh, you can learn a lot from the DP and how he sets up a shot. I'm sure some acting um, roles have gotten bigger because of actors who just did that, just stayed present you know what i mean yeah. like on a small maybe one line or a couple line role but then because they didn't walk away and like completely check out 
Right. Just stayed, pre- you know, just trying to yeah. work out the scene. And she's like, really oh, how f- about you try this? And then sometimes that can lead to like an well, actual. I don't, I don't know how often the, because uh, there is, there is this idea of um, if you're just there, right. you're the person that's needed for the, no. no, more often somebody has to screw up for an opportunity to be available for you to be there. It's great if it happens. Um, that's something my dad never my dad, as I was working at Disney World, you know, I did improv acting in the streets and that kind of stuff. And and my dad always thought, you know, Steven Spielberg's going to come down the street one day at Disney World and or one of the Disney executives and go, who's that kid? I want him in my next movie. I'm like, that's not how any of this works. Right. <laughs> There's the hierarchy and agents and auditions and managers and, you know, getting to know. Very rarely does that, like, I need your, you know, I think Jennifer Lawrence, that's her story of, she was 14 in Times Square, and somebody's like, you, you're the actress I need forever. Yeah. But that's just not how it works most of the time. But... And that's not a good way to plan, either. That's no. like... <laughs> well, no, the way to... The way to plan... I always love that, you know, every overnight success took 20 years. Yeah. Um, one thing I've been doing recently, because when I work out, I don't listen to music. It's just... I've never been a big music guy. Um, my mind wanders too quickly. So I usually listen to movies as I work out. But recently I've been listening to uh, these YouTube videos called um, Roundtable. I think it's Hollywood Reporters Roundtable. And it's just a bunch of famous actors, famous actresses, um, directors, writers, uh, producers. And they sit around and they just discuss the movie industry. And all of the actors I keep hearing they always have like a couple things in common. One, they are all terrified of how bad they are as they're filming. Like they'll be in their trailer and feel sick of like, oh, I can't do this. And I was like, oh, that's crazy to hear Denzel Washington say that. Of, you know, I forget what movie he was on, but he literally, he literally was in the trailer and he said, I couldn't leave the trailer. And I would happily have paid off the entire. Uh, the entire production to not go out and act and then the first ad said something to him he's like oh, okay i'm ready and then you go out and i mean it's just like skydiving once you get through the door and you're skydiving that fear is kind of you know gone um but having all of them say that and then the other thing a lot of them talk about is just getting good at what you do yeah first yeah and i think a lot of people keep skipping that part yeah I know I skip that part. I don't, you know, especially acting wise, I don't try to be better as much as I should. Just, just be good. Just work on being good. Good work will follow. So it's really, it sounds woo woo also. Like when you say, like when you say that, but like, it really is true. Like the most important, I did hear one actor say this, like one movie actor at one point, was talking about that. I can't remember who it was, but their advice was basically, if you really want to act, the most important thing to do is to act. Don Cheadle. Yeah. Don Cheadle was was saying that. Yeah. And it's true. Um, Like, like, he was like, well, what are you acting in now? mm -hmm. You know, your friend's project, do theater, do, you know, these private, if you want to act, act. That's not what you're asking me. You're not asking me, how do I act? You're asking me, how do I get famous? How do I get famous and become a movie star? Yeah. Which, I mean, if that's your goal, good luck. Right. And it's not that it can't happen, but it's like, it's basically, that is, that's not something you can control really. Like you can audition and you can do those things, but at the end of the day, you can quickly become infamous trying mm -hmm. to be famous. Yeah. And it's like also at the end of the day, the thing you can control is like you said, keep getting better. If you, if you if you like that art form mm-hmm. and it's something that you're, you feel called or impelled to do you, there are ways to, to do it. So yeah. just keep doing that. And it's like, then of course, you know, there's business and there's auditioning and stuff like that, but it's like, remember the yeah. thing that you're doing. Remember Be the core. Good first. Yeah. Before you worry about all the other stuff, Be because I'm just a firm believer. I know a lot of stars have to kind of align yeah. to, to become that, you know, I'll call it the, the Marvel level of success in your acting career. Um, but 
if you just work on being great, I just don't believe that it can be ignored. Right. Like if you get Gary Oldman great, yeah. Guess what? You, it's not going to be ignored. Um, eventually, you're you're that in the same way that stunt coordinators, because this is how casting works too, is in the same way that a stunt coordinator needs to say, okay, I've got this movie coming up. I know I've got you know this handful of stunts. I'm gonna call my reliable team that I've worked with for 20 years that I know I don't have to even explain much to them other than this is the shot, this is how we're doing it, and they know what to do. In the same way, that's how people cast actors is, you know, Gary Ullman's first role was not the darkest hour. He had 30 years of performing, you know, great, great roles. I mean, I my favorite is still True Romance. Of, yeah. You know. <laughs> of the the Jamaican pimp, um, was he? What was he? I think his name was Drago. Yeah, Something I know. Like I know who yeah. you're talking about. God, man, that role right there, which was worlds different than anything else you've ever seen him in since. Um, you know, worlds different from Dracula. And, and it's like one of those things where it's like that role in particular. It's such a weird one, right? But. It's what he did, what nobody can take away from him is that he went for it. Yes. But everything he did in it was honest. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest, that's the hardest trick about performing is making it honest. Um, And I think, I mean, I don't know because I'm not Gary Ullman, you know, shucks. how can you just be honest versus trying to convince people you're being honest? Yeah. Cause that's, that's where I see a lot of the, um, a lot of actors kind of stop at is, did you believe me? Right. It's like, <laughs> like if you have to ask if I believed you, yeah. then you're thinking of the wrong thing. Yeah. So, but I don't know. That's my opinion as a non-actor. <laughs> I just know that whenever I have to read for a stunt acting role, I don't know. Maybe they're maybe my tapes are good. Maybe they're not. Cause, uh, but they keep asking me to read for stuff. So, it's good, man. Yeah, it's like it, I said. I've seen you act before. I like you as an actor too. Thanks. You know. But it's you know my my new thing is if I am auditioning for something, how can I try to make it smaller? Because you know we're we're theater actors you know, first before we were film actors, or at least I was, I think you were too. Yeah. Um, so how do you make it smaller and more intimate for just the camera? You know, the thing with it though, is like, it's still the, the important thing though, is that it's still, it's the still same truthful set of circumstances. Right. It's just so whether it or not actually... you have to project those, mm-hmm. that truth. Um, and that's what I've been kind of playing with. You know, I've got a camera and all that kind of stuff for my, um, my self tapes. But because even like I had one teacher way back um, and they had the point of like traditionally like conventional thought is like kind of like, well, you really learn how to act on the stage and like camera. That's like another thing. That's like old school thought. Right. Right. And this was a guy who did both. But he specifically was in like a camera acting class with him. And what he talked about was because you can be smaller on film. Like you still have to have all the circumstances. It's still acting. Um, but the camera will, like if you honestly act, he gave the, the analogy of um, when somebody loses their house in a hurricane and you see them on the news, they're not like, I lost every, like they might be, but he was like, right. usually they're just like, I lost everything. Like they don't have to act. They don't it. have to do it's anything. Uh, Robert De Niro was actually talking about that during an interview of, um, you know, you can't really, I, you can't really, what do you say? Like label anybody's reactions is one thing or another of like, you know, somebody dies and you have to cry. You have to no. like more often than not, people just do nothing. And so anytime you think you have to do something, you're probably wrong. Right. You could just do nothing. Just, yeah. Just be, just listen, respond, say the line. Yeah. Like, that's it. It's just really hard sometimes to say like, like I just read for um, a movie that's starting to film 
And it was really hard for me to do this self tape because I'm six feet away from the camera. Uh, it's a very ridiculous, like there are ridiculous lines in this thing. It's about vampires and stuff. Um, and I'm responding to another character who there's nobody reading with me and I have to read for that role too. Uh, so like I have to think of the lines that he says before and then react to somebody not like there were all these elements of going, okay, I don't know how to be (laughs) just small and nothing. I felt that need to kind of like reach the camera. Um, and it took me, I mean, it took me hours to get just comfortable with being a little smaller and a little bit more honest and a little, um, which is fun to do, but I only wanted to do any of that because it's attached to a fire burn. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> this character, you know, potentially gets set on fire. So, yeah, I'll give it my all. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel like uh, right now I'm at a point where, and I've been been at this place for a while, I have no problem with acting roles as long as there's a, a stunt attached to it. Otherwise, I almost feel like it's, I don't know, it's wasted. I don't get to fight or hit the ground or get hit by a car or thrown off a building or, you know, all the fun stuff, all the fun stuff. Um, where's the best place for people to, to find you? And like, if they want to uh, call me, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I'm on, I'm on all the, or most of the stunt websites. Uh, do you have your own website too? Or no, no. Anytime I went to do one, I just, that's an actor's thing. I yeah. Don't, I don't know a whole lot of stunt people who aren't from LA. Like I know some LA people that do that, but it's because that's, that's the mentality of selling yourself. I mean, in New York, there are a couple directory website directories where you're on, not because people don't know who you are. It's just when they scroll through to say, you know, who haven't I seen in a while? Oh, Frank, you know, hire him. Right. That's kind of it. Um, yeah. So, that's basically all I, all I have at this point. I've got my stunt reels, but I really don't share them unless somebody asks for it or if I'm submitting for a specific project. But yeah, I haven't posted online in a while just because I have such disdain for it right now of people just constantly posting. Um, there's also a thing called the humble brag. Right. The... You know, oh man, I'm so fortunate to have just worked on. I was like, that's great. Well, and they do it on websites where like these are specifically designed for you to like, hey, here's I I haven't been hired in a bit. Here's my headshot resume. I want to be hired. If you're just honest about it, I got no problem. But the hey, I want to thank this coordinator for hiring me. I was like, you've already thanked them. I know you sent him a text. You probably emailed him the next day, and you know he's not on Facebook. So you're not thinking, you know, so-and-so for hiring you. You're saying hire me again, which is nothing wrong with it. That's what we all want. But that humble brag kind of, ugh. Yeah. I mean, it's a, that's on social media all the time. People mm-hmm. do it. Um, do you, would you be opposed to sharing your reel with me for the viewers of this? So if yeah, they want to sure. see. Cool. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I, <laughs> I can show you now. <laughs> Well, but, but I mean, like, so I could like something I, is there right, something I could link, link to? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There's a YouTube link. Just, um, you know, people might want to see. Yeah. I still got, I, I got updated again. And then I'm bragging about you. You're not bragging about yourself. See? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I always feel weird about self-promotion. It's probably where I, why I'm not like well, we'll see further it. along. So then I can brag for you. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> it still feels weird to me because, you know, it's always interesting Every time I talk to somebody outside of my stunt community and as I start talking and I kind of like kind of realize where you sit in things because I mean, I'm surrounded by people all the time who are more talented, hired more veterans, you know, amazing stunt and film people. Uh, So I always feel like the newbie you know i've been in the union seven years been doing stunts for 10 i always feel like the new guy what's the union by the way sag after okay gotcha gotcha yeah we're still yeah Yeah. we're sag um but i always you know i always forget sometimes like as i talk that what i'm saying isn't normal 
Like, yeah, yeah, on fire when? This week? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's not a normal thing for other people to hear. Or or saying that you work consistently in, in television, you know, film and TV on major projects. It's not, cons- you know, I just am around people that that's the everyday of. Yeah. You know, when you meet, a, when you see another stunt guy, the first two questions I always ask is, have you been busy? What have you been working on? That's just naturally the first two things that you say. Um, not how are your kids? Not, you know, how you been? Not how, you know, it's always, have you been busy? <laughs> what have you been on? So, um, yeah. Is there uh, anything else you want to talk about today? Just, uh... I, I don't know. This is my <laughs> first podcast, so I don't even know You're how doing any good, of this man. works. You're doing good. Yeah. Just conversations. Yeah, I mean, well, cool, man. (laughs) How about that Casey Anthony trial, huh? Crazy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think um, I think it's a good. I think this was a good conversation, man. Yeah, it was fun. Appreciated having you on here. Um, Good catching up with you. You too, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. So that was my conversation with Frank Alfano Jr., stuntman. Um, it's been a recurring theme on this podcast, uh, the importance of the artistic community and the importance of not being an asshole. Um, he said it again in this one, but I think it's worth repeating. Um, community is important. Don't be an asshole. Make friends as best you can. If you enjoy listening to the Bushwick Variety Show, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Like I always say, uh, if you have artistic ambition or if you have a dream, something unique that you want to do in the world, go after it, get after it, do it, share it. It's important. Thank you all for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. Have a great day and week and weekend. I'll be here every Monday and Thursday talking to different artists, innovators, uh, cool-ass people like Frank Alfano Jr., Thank you very much for listening. Have a good one. Peace.